You're listening to a recent sermon from Covenant Church. For more information or other sermons like this one, you can find us at covenantchurchonline.com. And now, here's a word from our pastor, Travis Davenport. Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, we're picking up where Paul is leaving off with the church in Ephesus. And uh, we've been in this, this series, the Ephesians, a book study for the last couple weeks, and today is going to be a continuation of that. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your cell phones, if you, if you have um, old scrolls from ancient Jerusalem, pull those out, and we're going to go to the book of Ephesians. I'm sorry, I don't know where that came from today. Ephesians, Ephesians. And we're going to read this one more time, starting in verse 20 starting in verse 20. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as, tr- as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self. And once again, here's our portion, which belongs to the former, your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Well, this morning I want to begin, I want to begin by offering you a phrase that is meant to inspire you, that is meant to challenge you, yes, and and convict you, yes, hopefully, but mostly I want to offer up a phrase for you for the intended purpose of, of jolting you and maybe shifting you back onto the path that you were intended Uh, originally to walk. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I would write this phrase down. And here's the phrase. Are you ready? Oh, boy. Okay, here's the phrase. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Here's the phrase. You are better than that. You are better than that. Now, I realize when I say that, it might hit all of us in kind of different ways. Maybe, maybe when you hear somebody say, you're better than that, it takes you back to high school. And it takes you back to, to your football uh, career. Um, and maybe it takes you back to the locker room. And at halftime, when you're losing a game and your coach stands up and he rants and raves and he says, come on, team, you're better than this. You're better than that. Maybe it takes you to your college career. Uh, maybe for you that was a star-studded event. Maybe for some of you... Not so much, um, <laughs> but, but maybe it takes you back there, and maybe, maybe you, you think of your professor handing you a paper, and maybe it's your midterm paper, and they look at you in the eyes and say, come on, you're better than that, right? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it takes you back to, maybe it takes you back to uh, maybe last week, I don't know, maybe it was a job performance review at your work where your boss is saying, you're better than that. I don't know. Hopefully it doesn't take you back to when you propose to your wife. <laughs> and she says, this is what you got me? I'm better than that. Right? Hopefully if it takes you back there, we're in trouble. But whatever your presuppositions are for, for this phrase, I, I want to push the delete key. And I want to go back. And I, and I want to insert a fresh, bold, liberating and freeing understanding of this phrase that you're better than that. When I was a sophomore in college, and this is, I'm going to share it this way to kind of insert it. When I was a sophomore in college, I, um, I was kind of in a place that rocked my world. I don't know if you've been there before, um, not my sophomore year of college, but in a place 
that rocked your world. I, I entered into uh, my college on a full ride, on a full scholarship, and to be honest with you, I didn't really do too much to earn it. It was just kind of given freely to me. It was given easily um, to me. And, and so because of that, to be honest with you, I had taken it for granted. And in my sophomore year of college, in my sophomore year career, I made some very poor decisions, some, a couple poor decisions. And because of those poor decisions, I ended up losing all of my scholarships 100%. Not only that, I was actually asked to sit out of Bible college for a semester. They had to be do, doing some pretty messed up stuff to be asked to sit out of Bible college for a semester. Amen? You're like, wait, I don't know if I want to go to church here anymore. Yeah, that was last year. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't. It was, it was many, many years ago. Uh, but I remember during that time, not only was this humbling and embarrassing, but it was, and maybe you can connect with me on this point, it was a very dark time in my life. You ever been in a dark season of your life where it's just very lonely, it's very hard, it's very difficult? It was a very dark period of my life. I remember being very upset, very angry. I remember making this long drive from Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville, Louisville, however, Kentucky, all the way up to Creston, Ohio, which is where my grandparents lived. And, and, and I was having dinner with my grandparents, and, and I remember um, I hadn't told my grandparents um, that I had lost my scholarships. I hadn't, I hadn't told my grandparents that I had been kicked out of college for a semester, out of Bible college. And, but I visited them during a time when I should have been in school. You following me? And so I'm sitting across the table from my grandmother and my grandfather. My grandpa, my grandfather, looks at me and he says, Hey, Trav, why aren't you in school right now? And my options are this. Lie, which sounded pretty good at the time, or just honestly tell the truth. And so I, I, I began to spin my tale of woe. You know what I'm saying? To my grandfather, it was filled with a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, it's, it's the man trying to keep me down, Grandpa. You know, it's a lot of that. It was a lot of uh, all the systems working against me, you know, or, or this person had it out for me from the beginning arguments. And, and I was totally not taking any of the shoulder of the blame. I was not, definitely not shouldering any of the blame. I was, I was totally not taking any responsibility for my actions. And, and I was, to be honest with you, still filled with a lot of pride. I remember after I finished weaving this tale for my grandpa and my grandmother, my, my grandpa just sat back in his old wooden chair, took a big, deep breath and sigh, and he looked me in the eyes. Now, I knew whatever he was going to say next was probably going to rock my world. <laughs> you ever have one of those moments where you're sitting with somebody and you've, and you've shared something or you've told them something, and they take a moment to collect themselves, and you know that they're thinking about what they're going to say, and you know they're filled with wisdom, and you know what's coming next is going to rock you. You ever been there? That was that moment for me. My grandfather looked me right in the eyes after I told this big story and how this wasn't my fault and how it was this person's fault and this person's fault. And my grandfather looked at me, and he said, Travis, you're better than that. You're better than that. That may be who you used to be, Travis, but that's not who you are anymore. You are better than that. And to be honest with you, this was a statement that, that convicted me. 
It inspired me. It challenged me. But mostly, this was a statement in my life personally that jolted me, that shocked me, that realigned me back onto the path that I was originally supposed to be walking. You are better than that. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, is saying, Church, you are better than how you're living. You are worth more than what you're putting out. You are better than that. Just like my grandfather, Paul is able to speak life into and over people while also tugging and pulling out the sin that is in their life and in their midst. Now, don't miss that. That is a very delicate thing to be able to do, to be able to speak life into someone, but then also pull sin out of someone. And this is what Paul is attempting to do with his church in chapter 4. He's speaking life into them while calling out the sin that is in their midst. And these words ring very true for us today as a church, more than ever. Let's pick up in, in, in verse 18. Look at what he says here. Verse 18, Paul speaking to his church. He says this, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of of their heart. Now, pause, hardness of your heart, hardening of your heart, that, that happens when you continue to reject Jesus. So you hear the gospel, you hear God running after you, and, and you feel a conviction to, well, maybe I should invest, investigate this Christ. Maybe I should investigate this, this gospel that I keep hearing about. Maybe I should read scripture. Maybe I should go to church. When you say no, and when you continue to say no and push it away and push it away and push it away, what happens is your heart, Scripture says, grows hard. It grows cold. It grows bitter. It grows thick, if you will. And the things that once affected you, the things that once convicted you, the things that once bothered you and kept you up at night will now no longer bother you. Your heart has grown cold. Your heart has grown hard. Your heart has thickened. It's hardened towards the things of Christ. Maybe this is where you are today. Verse 19 says, They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But this is not the way you learned Christ. Paul says, you are better than that. I know others have darkened their understanding. I know others have hardened their hearts towards the things of God. I know others have given themselves over to sensuality and greed to impure things, but you, church, no. You are better than that. This is not how you learned Christ. We are not to reject Christ. We are not to be greedy. We are not to darken our hearts. And it's if, and follow me here, it's if he delivers the second punch in verse 22. He says this, so put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life. And he goes on in verse 23 saying that we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and to put on our new self. Turn to your neighbor and say, new self. Turn to your other neighbor and just, just touch him on the shoulder and say, new self. There you go. Got some PDA out there today. All right. Okay. Some of you guys really enjoy each other's company. All right. Verse 23. Put on the new self. And here, here's the key. A new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. A new self. Are you with me, church? 
Are we alive? Are we awake, church, this morning? A new, a new self. And here's the point. Get, get this. You may not even realize why we should be celebrating, why we should be excited. Here's the point. This new self is not a self that we create. This is not a self that we conjure up. It's not a new self that we build, but rather it's a new self that God has created for us after the likeness of God. We are created in God's image originally. And then the fall happens. Sin enters into the world and disrupts this relationship between man and God. But when we accept Christ, We get back to the original intent for who we were created to be, and we are created again in the likeness of God. Think about the implications of this. Think about this now. When you you decided to follow Jesus, Jesus, and, and you gave him your life, a new you was created in the likeness of God. And this you, this new you, this new being this new self it has some descriptions that come with it paul uses the words righteous and holy it says when you become a follower of jesus when you accept and when you don't choose to darken your heart but do choose to follow after him you become you take on this new self you leave your old self you shed this old skin like a snake and you move on into your new being that's created for you and it's filled with what righteousness and holiness which simply means to be set apart and sinless, different from all the rest. In other terms, you're better than that. You're better than that. Yeah, I get what you're saying here, preacher. In fact, I, I appreciate you telling me that I'm better than that. I've been, I've been, I knew that for years, to be honest with you. <laughs> Known it for years. I've been trying to get my family on that tip for the last three months now. I'm just telling them I am better than everybody else. So I, I appreciate you sharing that with me. And I am better. I'll tell you why I'm better, that preacher, pastor. I am better. I'll tell you why. I read my Bible. I show up to church. Sometimes I even show up a minute before it begins. Thank you. I, uh, I, 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 I volunteer occasionally. Um, when they hand out Yoo-Hoo, I definitely volunteer in the hallway. I also tithe. I give about $1.50 every month. I really support my local church. And I t- No, 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 no. Here's the, here's the mistake. Besides the tithing issue. Here's the mistake. (laughs) Here's the mistake. The temptation that most people fall into here is to believe that they're in fact better, but they think they're better than others. That's not what I said. And that's not what Paul is saying either. That's not what we said at all. I didn't say you're better than others. I said you're better than that. So the real question here that we're asking is, what is the that that Paul is talking about. Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked that what is the that that Paul is talking about. Verse 22, he tells us, put off your old self. Now, you said new self. Now say old self. Let me hear you. Old self, self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Here's where it gets good. Here's where it gets so good. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. As it turns out, you are better than you. Maybe more specifically, you are better than who you used to be. You you are better than your old self. But here's the catch. You're not better because you, you, you're not better than who you used to be because you, you made yourself better. 
You're not better than who you used to be because, because you, you studied yourself and you grew yourself and now you're a better person, you're a better thinker, and you're a better humanitarian. You are better than who you used to be because Jesus Christ intervened and created a brand new you. A brand new you. It's not that you're just better, you're brand new. Are you following me? Church, help me out here. Is this a good thing that we are created brand new, that we are better than who we used to be. And it's only because of God's gratuitous grace. I love that. I love that. I'm just going to say that one more time. His gratuitous. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. I had a relationship one time, back in fourth grade. Her name was Sarah. I'm not going to throw out her last name. I want to keep her uh, anonymous. I had it bad for Sarah. My love was gratuitous. I used to shower her with gifts, pencils, <laughs> pens, rulers, gratuitously, you know. Uh, one time I brought her um, flowers. Well, it was one flower. I picked it out of my mom's yard, out of my parents' yard, and I brought it to her. And, 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 but here's the point. I was just trying to impress this girl. So I went overboard. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm writing songs. I'm up at night thinking up lyrics. You know, I'm like Eminem in the back of a bus, just down, down, down. Just thinking up fourth grade, going to Christian school, getting ready to lay my heart out on the line for this girl. And it was gratuitous. This is how God's love for us is. We step back and we're like, God, this is too much. Your grace for me. It's just too much. If you only knew where I've been, if you only knew what I've done, you wouldn't love me so much. You wouldn't care for me so much. If you even knew the thoughts that were in my mind, here's the catch. The reason God's grace is so gratuitous is because he does know where you've been. He does know what you've done. He does know what you're thinking. And he still chooses to chase you down and love you and forgive you and stick with you and race with you to the end. This is why God's gratuitous grace is so wonderful. All right, let me get back to the message. It's because of God's gratuitous grace towards you that you're able to be better than you used to be. It truly has nothing to do with you. And Ephesians tells us that. It's not, it says it's by grace that you've been saved, through faith, not of works, so that no man can boast. Notice it doesn't say that any woman can't boast. It just says that no man can boast. Because this is what guys do, right? We play basketball. We dunk on somebody. Or I've heard of people doing that before. And we... <laughs> We lower the rim, and then we dunk, you know, and the kids come out and make fun of us. However it works in your house, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and we brag about it. We, we love to boast about it. Look how much God loves me. Look how much God's blessed me. No, no, you cannot own it. You don't deserve it. You could work your whole life, and you never deserve the grace of God. Never, ever. It's gratuitous. It's over the top. I get, get this. This is a great phrase. I love this. Jesus, which is where it begins and ends, Jesus, who was better than anything, became less than everyone so that he could restore everything. Now get that. Jesus, who was better than anything, became less than everyone so that he could restore everything. See, you're not better than that because you're better than that. You're only better than that because Jesus is better than that. 
That's the only reason that we can stand up and look at sin and say, no, 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 man, I'm better than that. You're really not better than that. But because Jesus is better than that, and his gratuitous grace extends to you, you are now better than that. And even though we don't deserve this, the sheer, logical, nonsensical, unavoidable, uncompromising love of God towards humanity, we're able to say it. We're able to say it, and we're able to actually walk in the confidence of it. It's one thing to say, I'm better than that, right? It's one thing to say, like, I'm better than that. But it's another thing to walk in confidence and say, I'm better than that. You ever seen somebody walk in confidence? Yes? No? Yes? You ever seen that before? You ever seen somebody just, they just walk in, and you're like, oh, man, that guy's walking in confidence. Have you ever just done it before? <laughs> I've seen some people walk in confidence before. Made me feel a little not confident, right? <laughs> One of the best examples, not of that, but of, uh, of being confident is, is really, and I think it's a God-given example, to be honest. I think it's scriptural, really. Uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes. And they, when they, amen. 12 and 0, we're going. Here we go. All right. So right before the game begins, you ever watch this? Sometimes they'll cut right to, uh, to the guys. And it, right coming out of the locker room, they're standing there in the tunnel. What are they doing? They're getting ready. They're moving around. They can't wait. They're doing this. They're pacing like a bunch of wild beasts just getting ready to be unleashed upon the world on the field. This is what they're doing. They're jumping up and down. The coach is like, hold on, hold on, guys. You know, there's that one big squatty trainer. Nobody knows what he's there for. This is what he's there for. He's just standing like this. He just has girth. You know what I mean? He's just standing there like this. Like, hold on, boys. And all of a sudden, the music goes up, and the band begins, and the smoke flies up in the air, and they unleash these Buckeyes out onto the field. And what do they do? Do they walk out there like this? There's a lot of people here today. Oh, I hope I don't mess up today. No, they explode onto the field. They're excited. They're moving. They're running. They're focused. They're not looking to the left. They're not looking to the right. They're looking to the center of the field where they're going to gather up, huddle up, and get ready to produce even more confidence. This is how we walk in Christ. This is how we move. You are not to walk like this every day. Oh, man. But don't mess up today and lose God's favor. I've been on a roll for the last couple weeks. No! You move in God's favor. You move in God's gratuitous grace. You move in confidence, knowing that you have the God of the universe behind you saying, listen, you are better than that. You don't have to settle. Move in the confidence that I give you. This is how we're supposed to move. This is how we're supposed to walk. You're on a mission. You are going places. Sorry, I'm just a little excited about it today. You are commissioned by God with a mandate, each and every one of you, with a mandate to win this world for Jesus Christ. It's your calling. It's your mission. It's your mandate. You don't have time for your old self. You, you just straight up, flat out, don't have time for who you used to be. You don't have time for it. You don't have time for that drama. You don't have time for that noise. You don't have time for anything except the mission that God has given you. The missio day, the mission of God. This is what we're supposed to be caught up into. We get caught up in the old stuff. And listen, it's in that power. Don't miss this. It's in that power of saying I'm better than that and realizing why you are. 
It's in that power. They were able to look temptation in the face and say, I'm better than that. Are you with me? It's in that power that we look away from pornography and say, I'm better than that. It's in that power that we look away from adultery and say, no, 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 no. I'm better than that. It's in that power that we look away from depression and we say, I'm better than that. It's in that power that we look away from anxiety and we say, I don't need to get caught up in that because I'm better than that. It's in that power that we look away from alcoholism and say, I don't need to get caught up in that because I'm better than that. It's in that power that we look away from drug abuse and say, I don't need that in my life. I'm better than that. It's in that power that we look at entitlement and say, I'm not entitled to anything, but I am better than that. I am better than that because you are better than that because he's better than that. Are you feeling me? Are you with me, church? We serve a God who is better than that. Thank you for the lights. It's better like that. <laughs> this is what it means to know Jesus. Thanks for listening to this recent sermon from Covenant Church. If you made any type of decision today after hearing this message, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us at mystory@covenantchurchonline.com and check back regularly for more exciting and impactful sermon audio just like this.